This is episode number 196 of the Rising Man podcast with Christine Hassler. Every painful relationship is preparing you for the next one. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. It's Jetty Azuma here again, checking in behind the mic to host another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before we jump in today, I want to remind you guys to go cruise over to risingman.org slash ignite and get yourself registered in our 12-week online launch course for men. This is the best way to create a strong foundation for you as a man moving forward in your life. We help you get clear on your values, your vision, what it is you're up to in the world, and how to navigate your biggest challenges and obstacles. And it's all right there for you in our Ignite program, risingman.org slash Ignite. Go get registered today. All right. My guest for today is Christine Hassler. Christine is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, master coach, and podcast host who is committed to guiding people and organizations into their highest potential. She left her successful job as a Hollywood agent at 25 to pursue a life she could be passionate about, but it did not come easily. After being inspired by her own unexpected challenges and experiences, she realized her journey was indeed her destination. In this episode, Christine and I reflected on relationships and partner dynamics. First, Christine shared openly about her relationship with her husband, Steph, and how their paths crossed at a time when both of them were ready for relationship. Christine spoke about catalyst relationships and helped me to reflect on one of my own catalyst relationships and how that one prepared me for the relationship I have with my wife. Christine spoke about the advantages and challenges of having a partner who's committed to his mission and purpose. And lastly, Christine described her own path to opening herself up to partnership and how the work never stops, even when you found your partner in life. This and so much more without further ado, Christine Hassler. Okay, folks, I've got Miss Christine Hassler here today. Uh, so glad to have you here coming in live from Austin, Texas, right? You're still, you're out in Austin right now? Yeah, left California after mm, nearly 20 years and been in Austin for about two. Wonderful, wonderful. And I know I said this to you off recording, but I'll say now that it's public information, congratulations on baby girl coming into your life. For, for those who don't know, uh, Christine is married to Stefano Sifandos, who's been on the show before. So just really happy for both of you guys. We're excited and a little terrified. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a good combination, you know, because you got to yeah. know that there's things you can't expect that are coming. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe nervous is more more appropriate. Um, but I think the good thing about having a baby, you know, a bit later in life, and um, after seeing my sister and so many of my friends for the past, gosh, 10, 15 years of my life have babies. I don't think I'm as naive as I would have been having a baby in my twenties or early thirties. Um, and so, you know, we know we're in for a big initiation and we're ready. We're ready. I mean, that's what marriage has been for us. You know, we, both of us decided we wanted to get married for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons we wanted to get married is for the mirror. We felt like, okay, I've gone as far as I can on my own in my own spiritual journey. And of course there's always layers and you can go look for it, but we really were both kind of like, okay, like, I'm ready for that next trigger <laughs> for that next medicine is what it felt like. And, and I really see our marriage as, as a medicine journey as in so many ways, because it's constantly, constantly consistently taking us to deeper and deeper levels. And yeah, it's great to get married, to have a partner and someone you can live with and be your plus one to weddings and all that kind of stuff. But I think especially for, you know, this crew that we're talking to, 
you want something more. You don't want just the traditional relationship or if you decide marriage structure, you want, you want it to be like exciting and enlivening and to, to, to be a, a way that you can grow, you know, and a way that that is um, a path towards even more personal development. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's actually dig into that a little bit. So what, what you just said about your, your decision, what you came to your own realization in yourself, that this was something you wanted, that you wanted to step in this to amplify the life you'd already created. It sounds like Steph had a similar realization separately. And then you guys found each other. How did that all go down? Yeah. Well, I had it about three to four years before him and I kind of had to wait. And intuitively I knew that. And I actually teach a program for women who want to call on their partner. And one of the things I teach is you might be ready and your partner isn't. And you might think, Oh, what more do I need to work on? Who do I need to hire? And this can work for men, women, or men, men, women, whatever. Like it's not just a woman to man thing. Um, but there's like that waiting period where I was really ready and I knew that and I felt that in my bones, but intuitively I felt like, okay, he must be getting ready. Mm -hmm. There must be things he needs to work out, which was true because the relationship he had right before he and I met was kind of the final piece. It wasn't his massive catalyst relationship. That was the one before, but the one right before us was took him to a deeper level where he really realized, Oh my gosh, I'm ready for my queen. Like I'm, I'm really ready. And I think for men, I think men, and again, I'm making massive generalizations, but I've been coaching people for 17 years and mm-hmm. I've seen a lot. In seen the a world. lot. Um, and I would say for the most part, men, even if there's an amazing woman that comes into their life, if they're not ready, like if that f- switch hasn't flipped, where they're like, I'm clear. I'm, I want commitment. I want my queen. I'm this, I know my, like, I know who I am enough where this is what I'm available for. It doesn't matter. Whereas women, you meet the right person. Even if the timing is a little weird, we can, we're with feminines a little bit more adaptable. Mm-hmm. Whereas the masculine, I really see it's just like something goes on where they're either ready or they're not. And I've coached a lot of men who are with a great woman and they feel so guilty because they just can't give her what she wants, be it marriage or a child or commitment or whatever. And she's great and they love her, but they just feel this pull. Like their purpose isn't where they want it to be or their finances are they, or they aren't where they want it to be. Or they just aren't feeling like that's where they are in their life. And they just suffer from so much guilt. <laughs> and I say to them, this is a very normal thing I see men go through. And when men try to force themselves because of an ultimatum or because they don't want to hurt someone into a step that they're not really ready to take, it can be devastating for both the man and the partner. And so I say to women, if a man isn't ready, like if he really isn't pursuing you and he isn't ready, I mean, before I was introduced to Steph because we were introduced through a friend and I said to her, please don't introduce me to him unless he is clear he is ready for commitment. And like, he's ready for his beloved. I'm like, ask him directly. Don't beat around the bush. (laughs) Not just a relationship, like a committed sacred union conscious. Is that, is he in? Because if not, I wasn't interested because I wasn't interested. I had a pattern of dating men and I was like, oh, I can be the one. I can be the one that gets them over the line, you know, or they're finally ready. And I learned the hard way that no, it's not how it works. And so for the men listening, if you're feeling that guilt and you're feeling that, why am I not feeling it? She's amazing. 
it's because that switch probably hasn't flipped yet. And the best thing you can do for you and her in the long run is to be honest about that and is to do what you need to do to end or pause the relationship because short-term it might feel better just to let it drag on and not hurt her or give her promises that you really don't feel you can keep. But in the long run, you're going to be much greater integrity and you're going to have much more self-respect. You're going to be much happier if you really honor your truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can definitely validate your experience because uh, for not being uh, or identifying as a man, you certainly sound like you know a lot about us, <laughs> especially that integrity piece. It's such an interesting thing that happens. It's, it's beyond, it's, it's from the neck down. Integrity is for me is an experience from the neck down. I know when I'm out of integrity and it's probably the most painful thing mm. I can experience in my life. And I've been exactly in those relationships before where I wanted to be I could tell there was something that my partner at the time wanted me to be. And I really wanted to be that because I wanted to fulfill and, and be the protector provider and all the roles that she was desiring. But there was a part of me that knew that ah, I just can't, I can't be that. And yeah. it, it's convenient because I, I turned it off for a while. And I just said, ah, let me just ignore that integrity alarm that's going off. But it, it, it eats away, it eats you away from the inside. Yeah. yeah. You know? And was there something that eventually flipped for you where you just were like, okay, I, I'm open to this. I'm ready. Uh, well, it, it makes me interested in the term you dropped before the cat, the massive catalyst relationships. I think I had one of those. So you can tell me a little more about what that exactly is in a second, but yeah. I had a relationship right before I met Carrie that was, you know, there, there was physical and emotional abuse that I'd never experienced before. I really put myself into a situation where the, uh, what's the word, the, like the, the, the guardian angel person, the, the one who comes in to try and call not Kali, not Kali, just like oh. I, I was trying to go into this relationship to save this person. Oh, I see what you mean. You were like, going to be this knight on the white horse savior. There you go. Knight on the white horse. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to come in and I wanted to. He sounds you know. like Kali. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, that was probably the dynamic. And, and I, and I put myself in that situation and, and I, and I experienced a lot of things by that by the end of it, I said, no more. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do that anymore. In fact, that, that relationship ended and I said, you know what? I'm good. If I don't meet anybody for a couple of years, that's fine. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. finally embracing myself and loving myself for who I am. I was 25 years old at the time too. So I wasn't in a rush. Right. Right. But then, you know, three months later I met Carrie <laughs> and she was one of those women who, cause she, everyone knows she's six old, years older than me. She had her standards on like eight, yellow legal pages front and back and said, okay, we're not getting into anything until you, you answer these questions for me. <laughs> and, uh, and it was great. It really helped me out at the time, but I had to go through that catalyst relationship. Uh, and maybe you could define what that is. Cause I think that'd be valuable for some people to hear. Well, I think we have, we have several of them, um, but we usually tend to have one major one. I mean, for me, it was my divorce, mm -hmm. um, but there were other ones that definitely were game changers as well. But my divorce was the one where I was like, okay, I've been in relationships since I was 19 with different people. I'm a serial monogamer. I've had one relationship with an addict. I've had one broken engagement and now I have a divorce. The common denominator in all this is me. Right. So I got some shit to figure out. You know? And I think that was a catalyst relationship for me because getting divorced at 31, I felt like, and I was a life coach and I had a book out about how a quarter life crisis, my fiance dumped me and then I met the love of my life and we're married and everything's perfect. And then I get divorced four years later. And so massive failure, massive fraud, all kinds of stuff coming up and just really had to look at my level of um, identity and maintaining a certain image and perfection and 
things I learned from my parents that I was carrying out and my own masculine feminine dynamics and just there's, there's so much for me to, to look at in there. And I know for Steph, he had, you know, uh, his biggest callous relationship was when the woman, and he speaks about this openly, the woman he was with found out he was cheating. Now he had cheated on pretty much everyone he'd been with before. She just found out. And just to see her hurt and her agony with that made him really wake up. And then the relationship after that just kind of took all that deeper, even though he was faithful in that relationship, it just took him a level deeper in terms of why am I not opening my heart kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think those relationships that bring us to our knees or have us doing things that we don't recognize about ourselves, like you mentioned, physically, emotionally abusive. I'm sure there was a part of you that was like, how did I end up in this? How did I get here. And when we see ourselves in those relationships where we feel like we've lost ourselves or we don't recognize ourselves or compromising too much, that can be a huge wake up call to wait, why, why am I doing this? And I got some shit to work out that I've ended up here. And I think after those kind of relationships, it is important to do some self-reflection and spend some time on our own so that we don't go and continue repeating those patterns. And it's interesting yeah. that you said Carrie's six years older than you because I'm I'm older than Steph too. How much older? I don't know, five-ish years or something like mm-hmm. that. And that's the other thing. So I know you have a lot of men that are listening. Like I notice men have a thing about dating younger women. Like there's something about that. Mm-hmm. And I would say to all men, at least once, date a woman that's older than you. Mm-hmm. You will learn so much <laughs> about yourself. You will grow up so fast and don't be close-minded to being with someone that's older than you. That's just another societal thing that we fall into. Like you never know what package or age your person's going to come into. And I see all people limit themselves in terms of this is what my ideal partner looks like. And actually your ideal partner may look nothing like what your ego thinks your ideal partner looks like. It may look completely different. And so I love that a lot of us in our own ways are breaking down a lot of these paradigms and systems and beliefs and all the things that we're supposed to get married by this age and the person should be this age and we should have baby by this age. We should make this much by this age. And it's all just, it's all just a load of shit really. It's so much that we're trying to plan out. Like we actually are in control of those things. That was was probably the thing I, I, that surprised me the most. Going back to that relationship I was mentioning, I, I I was feeling it in my body. What you said, you know, the part about knowing something isn't right here. I was numbing it out by smoking weed all day, every day. And so I was, I was turning off that sensory alert inside of me deliberately because I didn't want to face it off. I didn't, I didn't even know how, and what it was, what my body was telling me before my brain knew was, Hey, this does not fit with what you want. But I, I had no idea what I wanted. I never even asked myself that question. And until I did, there was no way I could have my head and my body be in cahoots with each other. And so that when I, when I hear you talking about your experience with Steph and how deliberate you both were, when you enter into relationship, I find that most guys I talk to still haven't really asked themselves what they want in relationship. They get into partnership before they've ever asked themselves that question. And of course it's going to fail if there's not congruency there. And it's, it's way better. I think to have at least some sense of what you're into, what you're looking for in your life before going into, before even entertaining the possibility of long-term relationship. 
For sure. Why do that? Why do that? Why, why go, why go to a restaurant with your eyes closed and then open them and, and it's a Chinese place. It's a Chinese right. restaurant. You're like, you know what? I really wanted Greek food. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let me see if I can tell them how to make it. <laughs> right. Let me see if I can, you know, change the menu. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, so we, we jumped right into it and it was so, it was so good. I didn't want to stop, but I do want to circle back. I always love asking my guests on the show, whether it's a man or a woman, the same question. And that is, what does it mean to be a man? Oh my gosh. Well, I think that, I think the men right now, especially men like you are, are redefining that or define it more authentically. However, we, however we want to say that, um, but I think, well, first of all, to be a human means that we're on this planet to learn and grow, period, end of story. We're on this planet to evolve, to remember that we are whole, complete, loved, all that kind of stuff. But if you come into the world as a man, then I think that you have a unique mission, like a unique set of um, things you're here to fulfill that really have to do with protecting purpose holding, like being able to hold space and, and ground and really be able to be that consistency for the polarity of the feminine, right? Because the more the, the masculine really holds in that, that structure and that, that groundedness, and it doesn't mean that you have to be a stone, you know, it doesn't mean that men don't have emotions because they do. I see all my friends and my nephews, little boys versus little girls. And little boys are way more sensitive than the girls from the beginning. They cuddle more. They're more sensitive. They're more emotional. Like, so men are absolutely definitely emotional. And I don't expect or think that what it means to be a man is to be stoic, but it really means being so um, traversed and comfortable with your own emotions that when there is emotion or any kind of reactivity or any kind of chaos happening in front of you, you can really hold in that groundedness, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's what I see, especially with my husband, he can handle my storms and my emotional reactivity, which doesn't happen often, but it happens. He can really hold that masculine presence because he's rode those waves inside himself and then he can really hold. So I think it is, you know, knowing that you have that emotional body and that deep sensitivity, but being able to work with it in a way and be vulnerable in a way and let it come up in a way where you're not repressing it and not falling into that whole men don't cry, mm. be stoic, be strong thing, but be so integrated in that emotional experience that again, when there's chaos, when there's drama, when there's reactivity, you can really hold in that steadiness. And I think that's one of the things that we collectively are looking for men to do to really feel safe because part of what men do is they create that feeling of safety for women, for children, for other men, that feeling of being protective. And I know that I feel safer with men who have traversed and are comfortable with their own emotions because it's like they're fluent in what I'm experiencing. And I know that they're really holding in a way that isn't shut down, right? Cause there's being, there's holding in a, I'm just going to go stoic and shut down and not move and pretend I'm being present and then there's really, I'm holding and grounding this energy and I can, I know the waves that you're swimming in. Mm. I love that you use the word storm because that, that's exactly the way it occurs to me. Yeah. And I think it's life preparation in general, but especially relationship preparation is hurling ourselves into the storms and experiencing them. It same applies to 
coaching or mentoring, I can't help somebody with something that I have never witnessed or experienced myself and actually gone mm-hmm. through. And I think there's a general aversion. I know because I experienced it myself, a, a general aversion to wading into the storm because of what might happen to us. Am I going to get hurt? Am I going to make it out alive? And that's exactly what needs to be done. It's exactly yeah. what needs to be done to prepare ourselves to be the rock, the one that can withstand the storms when they come. Because then if you've been through a hurricane, then you're like, oh, well, that's just another hurricane coming. For if you sure. survived in the Midwest and you've lived through tornado season, you're like, okay, got another twister coming down the alley. Let's you know get underground. We're going to be fine. Yep. Yeah. Reminds me of summers in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you've been through it, right. And yeah. it's like, okay, well now I know I've, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I've tasted it before. It's not so scary. In fact, I think the only place where we really get thrown off are the things that are completely new to us and we haven't totally. experienced before. Totally. But if we take more risk and we have more uncertainty in our life, right. If we don't play it safe all the time, then even if something is new, it's different, but I've done the new thing before I've done the uncertain thing before I've done the, Oh my gosh, I'm scared shitless thing before. And I turned out. Okay. So here I am again in uncertainty. I'm scared shitless. And I've been in this place before. So I I say to my clients so often, I said, life is always going to, especially if you're on a growth path, especially if you raise your hand to say, yes, I'm on the consciousness path. I'm awake. I'm aware. I want to grow. I want to develop. I don't want to just go numb and rinse and repeat my life. When you're on that path, the universe will continue to bring challenges and changes. And you can either choose to put yourself in uncertainty and choose changes, choose to mix it up, or you can wait for the universe to choose for you. (laughs) And for me, I, I would rather choose, you know, I'd rather put myself in uncertain situations, put myself into places where I'm a little bit scary, like even as beautiful and wonderful as having a child is. And for some people, it's a really easy choice and they're sure they want it. For me, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an easy choice and it wasn't super clear to me. I had a lot of concerns, a lot of anxieties, a lot of fears, but eventually I, I was like, this is my next level. Like I want this challenge. I want to put myself in this because so many of my fears were coming from just wanting things to stay the way they were, Mm. you know, not wanting to, you know, I finally got into a place. I was single for so long. I've been married for three years. We moved to Austin. Like things finally feel stable and steady and consistent and things are very predictable. But I also know when life gets like that, get ready for a curveball (laughs) if you're on the path. So for people listening, where can you proactively choose to mix it up? Where can you proactively choose to jump into some uncertainty? Again, I'm not telling you to take a life-threatening or huge financial risk. I mean, don't be like, you know, keep your brains in. But where can you get yourself uncomfortable so that the universe is like, oh, okay. She or he is continuing to choose change. I don't have to throw this massive curveball at them to wake them up. Right. I love that. That's that's another thing that's occurred to me too, is that if I, if I choose the challenges instead of just waiting for them to come, because that, that's the one constant, right? Is the challenge right. is always going to be there. Adversity is always going to be there. Trying to live a very safe, secure, predictable life. Something's going to come up. You hear about it all the time. Everything was going fine until I got my cancer diagnosis or right. things were going well until I found out my partner was cheating on me. And it's like, okay, well, were, were you just sitting around waiting for something to happen? Yeah hoping that it would be safe. And 
a bigger part of me kind of wonders when we decided that safety and security and comfort was something that we should try to create everywhere in our lives instead of just embracing the unknown. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I think it's because we live in a world that's too easy. Mm, There you go. I just think life's too easy. I I mean, believe me, I, I don't want to go live off the land and poop in the woods. Like I love that I have a toilet and air conditioning and all those kinds of things. Um, But in terms of like our day to day, things are too easy. And so things that are not that big of a deal, like being late for a meeting or somebody pissing you off in an email become like big things that really upset our nervous system and our stress level. And I don't think we have perspective enough on like what, what challenge can be because our basic survival needs are met. Now on the other side of that, there's also people have experienced so much trauma and so many challenges. And so all they want to do is feel safe. It's all they want to do. It's like, I don't want to take risks. I don't want to put myself out there. I grew up in an abusive home. Like safety is just my number one priority because that's all I was fighting for as a kid. You know, so I think there's kind of two sides of the coin we're talking about. There's the life is just kind of easy and we've gotten complacent. And so that safety and certainty thing is like sort of the status quo. And then there's just this, this childhood need that comes from just having so much trauma and so much chaos that we just don't want that inner child triggered anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't think just seeking a life of safety and certainty is the answer to resolving trauma. In fact, I think that's just keeps it in a holding pattern. Mm -hmm. Whereas with people that I've worked with, when they've actually dealt with their trauma and healed it, they find that to safety and certainty inside, and then they can start taking risks in their life again. And then they can start moving into that uncertainty. And then they start to realize that that comfort zone was, was a bit of a trap because it was just familiar. It was just this thing that kept them from dealing with, you know, what they really wanted to deal with. So I love the feeling of safety. It's definitely something like I was laying in bed with Steph this morning. We were playing music for the baby and my heart was just filled. And I just felt, oh, this is just such a great feeling. But what I've learned is that I actually am feeling love. That's really what it is. Hmm. It's, it's love. And that's beautiful because you can feel love and feel safe. You can feel love and, and uncertainty. But when we kind of get out of that like safety thing and certainty thing, it's really, oh my gosh, what I'm really seeking is just a feeling of love and connection. Wow. I want to, I want to investigate a little deeper into that because I've never heard that quite like that before around the connection between safety and love. And if I heard you correctly, it sounded like you don't believe that safety is a prerequisite for experiencing and feeling love. Would you say that's correct? Not safety in the, in the way our mind would define it. Mm -hmm. So like we might need safety in terms of, okay, well, I need a certain amount of money in the bank or I need this person to say this certain thing, or I need to feel this certain way versus like the embodiment of feeling safe in our body is really, really the feeling of love because safety itself isn't a feeling Mm. like you can't, if you're looking at safety on like the vibration scale of feelings, not on there, like show me how to feel safe. Ah, I don't, it's not a feeling, Mm. but love is. And so that, that, that safety thing is a mental construct that we want based on certain conditions. 
But really, when we say I want to feel safe, it's want my nervous system to relax enough that I can let love in. Because when our nervous system isn't relaxed and our mind is, you know, scanning for danger or the next threat, either subconsciously or consciously, then we can't let love in because we're in survival mode. We're in the amygdala part of our brain. But when that calms down and we think we're safe, it's like we move into like softening our nervous system. And then we can actually experience the actual feeling of love, which is an actual feeling and energy where safety is more just a paradigm. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I'm glad I asked because to me, even, even that feeling, I'll put it into quotes, that feeling of safety is it's, it's a false sense of security because you might feel safe and secure in one moment in the arms of your beloved and anything can happen five minutes later. Right. We've heard that all. We've heard so many examples of how that can happen. And so uh, what got my mind thinking was how are we able to experience and open up to love without having to have certain conditions in place. And like you said, there's certain things that to get us our nervous system to settle down enough to open up to love Absolutely. But that we, maybe we don't need all of the other things. Maybe there's a lot of other things that aren't necessary to open up to love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, beautiful. Well, I'm also interested since I've got you here mm-hmm. and folks who don't know your husband definitely should go and check him out. Cause he's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, but, but you guys are both powerful individual human beings who came together and are, have formed a power power team here. And there's a lot of people out there who desire that. And there's a lot of men who are looking for their partner who's going to have and amplify the vision they have for their lives. And I know similarly for women. So I'm interested from your perspective, you know, what is it like to, to be in a relationship in a partnership with a man who has done so much, so much work on himself, who is so clear about where he's pointed and where he's directed in his life. What are the, I guess, the advantages of that? And also what are the challenges that some people might not know about? No, there's no challenges. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There, well, I'll start with the advantages. The advantages are it, it's, it's so, I feel so much more well-matched. That was one of my biggest hurdles in dating is go on a date and they're like, what do you do? And I try to explain it. And they're like, so like Tony Robbins. And I'm like, Oh God, (laughs) sure. Like that. Um, and you know, feeling met and feeling like I have someone and not just feeling knowing I have someone that values his consciousness and his path and his personal development as much as I value my own Mm. is huge because I knew for me, especially in marriage and a monogamous relationship, that that was a deal breaker like that that needed to happen because i an occupational hazard is i don't want to end up coaching my husband like i don't want to feel like i'm dragging him along that's a very frustrating experience for me i've tried it before in past relationships does not work out well i feel unseen unmet i slip into more of my masculine behavior I start trying to coach them. That doesn't work well for men. What's in any way, shape or form (laughs) telling them all the things they need to work on. Um, And it just, it feels so that freedom to be me, that freedom to really um, talk about the things that, you know, dating coaches in the past would tell me, don't talk about that spirituality stuff. That's going to scare men away. (laughs) And being able to be so freely self-expressed is huge. 
you know, also to have a man who's on purpose, I've been very on purpose since my twenties and I've had a big career and I've been successful and that wasn't what a lot of men wanted. You know, they didn't, they didn't want this fine. They wanted something different. Um, that was a threat or they didn't get it, or they really wanted that energy focused on them or children or whatever it may be. And so having someone that's so mission driven and whose mission overlaps with mine and who really just is like, I got you fly or you want to rest. Great. I got you either way. Mm -hmm. That's such a gift to feel like I can be badass in my business and my mission or I can say, I'm really tired. I need some time off. And either way, he's like, I got you. That just gives me so much freedom and flexibility. Because before I had him, I didn't have the option of, I just need to rest <laughs> because the person who had my back was me. Mm -hmm. So that's been a beautiful gift for me to, to be that way. And when we first got together, you know, he wasn't, he always was on purpose and he knew what his mission was, but financially he wasn't close at, at all to where he wanted to be, or even to me, or even to the place where I felt like he could. I mean, I felt all the pressure of being the breadwinner. And I learned a very valuable lesson in that. I really had an opportunity to integrate everything I learned about masculine and femininity, and masculinity and femininity, and that what men really, really need in those situations is a muse, is someone that just loves them, supports them, doesn't question them is available for questions. Like if he came to me and he had a question, I would say, do you want me to put my business hat on or do you want me to just listen? And we have that agreement and I never coached him. I never gave him business advice unless he asked me, he made a couple, he fell on his face many times, cost us money. But I was just like, I'm holding in my feminine. I believe in him. I love him. I trust him. I'm not going to go into my shadow feminine and freak out and then put on my masculine mask and try to control him. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to love him and believe in him because that's one of his childhood wounds. He didn't have, especially a father who really, really believed in him or a mother who had the capacity to hold herself much less him. Mm. And so a, just a year of doing that, maybe even a little less was all he needed was all he needed to just break through all the past financial barriers and really step into who he was. And it was incredible power, powerful. It was incredibly powerful for me as a woman to see the power of the feminine. Cause I had been so rewarded and praised for my achievements and my success and my ability to be an amazing coach and help people build their business. So that part of me was very reinforced, but seeing how just loving someone and holding for them in non-judgment and compassion and just not as a faux cheerleader, like you can do anything, babe, but just that I really believe in you and anchoring that in my body, that power of, of compassion and nurturing and just that loving feminine spirit. Wow. That, that is freaking powerful. Mm -hmm. So that's been a beautiful gift as well to see how I can really, you know, support his purpose. I know I'm kind of diverging off of your question, but no, no, that's, that's okay. I'm actually really glad you said that it's, it's, it's important for a lot of guys to hear that. And yeah. I think women too, there's a lot of women who listen to the podcast too. And I'm just over here, just nodding my head. Cause what you're describing is what 
what every one of us really wants. You know, we, yeah, we want that support that way. We want that support. And it was, believe me, I would go into fear. Mm-hmm. I was like, should I get a post nup? Might be the breadwinner the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't bring that fear to him. I'd bring it to my coach, to just a couple friends that I knew that would love him no matter what, once we made it to the other side of this. Um, but I did not bring my, you know, why aren't you doing this? And why are you doing this? And I'm scared about this. And I don't want now I'm responsible for two people and everything falls on me. And, and I think when the, when the feminine gets scared, we can do that. We can go into questioning because what we're really saying is I'm terrified and I need you to give me certainty. And I feel like you can't, and I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. but it comes out as demeaning, emasculating, interrogating, controlling, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how to not suppress that in me, but take it to other places, Mm. not to him, because I knew that if I did that to him, it would just really put him into shame. Mm. And when a man goes into shame, two things happens. He either gets defensive and aggressive or he completely shuts down Mm. and Neither is good. <laughs> Neither is going to get him where he wants to go. And so I, I really had to learn to work with what was coming up with me and know it was appropriate to take to Steph and know what wasn't, you know, and, and at the same time, he's helped me with so much, you know, he's really helped me let go of a lot of my controlling behavior, let go of a lot of my like gripping to certainty and, and really, really moving into trust. So it's been it's been a beautiful dance, um, but it's definitely been one we've had to be conscious of because it's super easy when you get scared or stressed in relationship to fall into old, to, to fall into patterns for sure. Yeah. Well, it, it makes me think of my relationship with Carrie a lot and, and the different times where we've been in that dynamic um, in the let's see. We've been married seven years now. So we've been together about eight years. And in that time, for the majority of it, I've been the primary provider. But her being six years ahead of me, she's had to really withstand all of like the falling on my face moments, <laughs> you know, all of those moments. Thank God she has so many great friends and supporters and coaches who have held that space for her. And she's really learned how to do that. Exactly, exactly what you described. Um, because what I needed was I needed the space to figure it out. And I see it with my son. When, when we, when I watch my son going through something, trying to figure it out and we, and we try to intervene and say, Hey, let me show you how to do that. He's like, no, no, no. There's a part of us that needs to figure that out. And, um, anyway, it does, it's an interesting dynamic in the masculine and feminine. I'm sure a lot of people run into it at at different, in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you asked what the disadvantages are, um, (laughs) so I would say, maybe you didn't say that, maybe you said challenges. I think you said challenges. The challenges are, And this is where I'm so glad that I have my own purpose and I have the things that are important to me and I have my own team in terms of people that support me. And I've done the work that I've done because it's like, and I've seen this with so many women, especially they really want their man to get on purpose and to have friends and have a life. And then once he does, it's like, there's no time for me. What about me? I'm not the priority anymore. And that can be a big shift because it can feel really alluring for a man to make you his everything. And then that gets disgusting. Cause you're like, this is not hot anymore. Like it was cool in the beginning when I felt like, Oh my gosh, I'm such a queen, but now please get a life. And then they get a life and they get a purpose. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like you every night, what's, what's, what's happening? This is like, and that was a big adjustment for me because you know, it went from, 
Steph having a lot of free time to me need to, needing to schedule and time with him on his, like I have access to his calendar. That's how much I need to like, okay, he's so busy. I need to schedule things in. And so for me, the thing that has been a challenge is he's not as available to me. Now I could walk into his office right now and say, I need you. He would drop anything and be present for me. If I really was coming from that, like something's up, I really need you. So I, I know that hundred percent and just day to day, he's not as available. He's distracted. He's got his mind on a million things. He's busy. He's holding a lot of businesses and a really big mission. And if I didn't have that in my life, I think that would be hard because I think I'd feel a little jealous. I think I'd feel a little lonely. I think I'd feel like I wasn't a priority, but because I've had the experience of knowing how much my mission and work matters, I, I can relate to it and I can see it. And I also can take responsibility for communicating when things feel out of balance, you know, and that's my job is, is to not get passive aggressive or resentful or make those little comments of like, you know, I loved it when you used to blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, this little, like, when are you going to have time for me comments? But I've learned how to say, Hey, I'm feeling a little disconnected from you. I really like some time when it's just you and me, no phones, and we can just drop in about some things. And I make those requests when I need to. Um, but I would say that's been the biggest challenge is the adjustment to having him really available to not so available. And that's been my lesson. You know, that's been the areas where I really get to not be codependent on the relationship and really come back to my own sovereignty and my own relationship with myself and my mission. Yeah. And it's, and it's constantly calibrating those things. Every layer that we've added over the years, you know, from when Carrie and I got together to having our first child, and then we both started businesses and then we had our second child, every layer that gets added in is something else that requires a certain degree of attention. And and we can assign a certain amount of hours to those things. And uh, coming back together to be able to have those conversations of, of value, even just conversations of value, let me see. I think it was before Itzel was born. So we went on a dinner date one night and we said, Hey, what's our family values? I know what my, my personal values are, but what are the values that we share? And it was, a, it was an amazing conversation that really shifted the trajectory of things for us. Cause it gave us that filter of, okay, well, I know what I care most about and what you care most about where, where are the values that we share, not just in, in partnership, but also that we want to impress upon our children now. You know, mm -hmm. what do we want them to see and how can we bring more of that into our lives? And so it, it does get tricky. And I think just the ability to have the space for those conversations, yeah. it, it does get harder. It's, I, I hear you speaking about how it is with Steph. And if Carrie was here, she'd be nodding her head. Yes. Cause she experiences <laughs> the same thing with me too. And she also, but I know she loves and respects and adores the way yeah. that I am on my mission and purpose. And so that's why I say it's such a balancing act because the her missing me and being proud of me they, they both get to exist those are both yeah. real things that she's yeah. feeling yeah it is and i think it's good to not have your partner be available all the time mm. because you really can take them for granted and so you know i i love that 
he has a full life. And honestly, I think that's another key to a healthy relationship because one person can't be your everything. Mm. And when we were living in Encinitas and he had just moved to the country and he didn't know anyone, it was just us. It was nice, but it was also really hard for him because he just missed his friends back home so much. And he didn't have much other than me. Mm. And as fabulous as I am, that isn't enough, you know, that is not enough. And so here where he has men and a community and he hunts and he takes trips and he's got workouts and like all these things, I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like, thank God that it's not all on me. And I can just fulfill one role as your wife and not your best friend, the person you hang out with, the person you work out with and like all these kinds of things. And I think a lot of couples get into that where they get into that codependent, you're my everything world. Um, and it's so important to have a life outside of your partnership and friendships and activities outside of your partnership. Oh man. That's, that's like another topic we could spiral off. in. I feel like I've seen so many of these power couples who are on Instagram who were working out together, who were doing workshops, everything together. And then COVID happened. And all of a sudden you start seeing these relationships drop off one by one by one, because you realize that, oh my God, I've been completely dependent on this other person for so much in my life. And that's just another thing I'm super grateful for is that Carrie has some amazing women around her yeah. and she's developed this internal sensor awareness of, you know what, I should probably call Erica for this one, or you yeah. know what, I should hit up Alexi for this one instead yeah. of, <laughs> instead of pulling me into it every time. Yeah. 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 Super important. Um, wow. Uh, time flies. We're, we're just about up at our time here. Um, what an amazing conversation. I really loved reconnecting with you and hearing the wisdom that you have to bring into this. I really respect the relationship that you and Steph have. So thank you for letting us in and seeing some of the inner workings of how you guys are figuring it out. I'll be interested to follow up and see how things are going once you guys are six months and a year into parenthood. That's a whole nother yeah. layer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I get goosebumps when you say it. It's yeah, we're, we're excited. There's a lot we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good mindset to have going into it. And you guys have so much great support around you. I know you're going to be great. We do. And we do. We have an amazing community and um, some great tools and yeah, we're excited to meet this little bean. I think she's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a couple of quick rapid fire questions and then uh, want to hear where people can come and learn more about the work that you're doing. And um, I know you also said you have that, that course that you offer to women. Um, is it, is it be, but you can tell us in a second, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you the questions and you tell us. Uh, so uh, what's one thing that you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? Mm. wish I knew when I was 18 that I don't have to follow the rules, like that I don't have to follow societies or my families or even my expectations that I really can create my life the way I want to create it instead of following a plan. Wow. I've done 196 of these and I've never heard that answer, but I love that one because mm -hmm. that's what I needed to hear too. <laughs> it's a really good one. <laughs> don't have to follow the rules. Uh, I love that. And what do women need more of from men? foot rubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say men to do their work, mm. like really do their deep shadow work mm -hmm. on their own and with other men. Yeah. That might actually answer this next question, but I'll ask it anyway. What is one message you have for men about women? Um, that we're actually easier and less complicated than you think. 
Like really we are. I think there's sometimes this thing that women are so complicated and they're so emotional. And we're, we're really not like it's definitely I talk about this all the time. If I'm upset or if I'm in a mood and he just shows up with an open heart and presence and grabs me and just like hugs me and says, it's all going to be okay. It's like everything else. Like, it really can be that simple. We just, again, I know I'm contradicting myself because I said you can't feel safe, but it's like we need that mental construct of feeling safe enough so we can relax. If you can really be embodied in your presence and help us feel safe, we're not so complicated. Really not. I love that. Okay. Now is the time. Tell us where we can follow you, find you and all about your courses. So if you just go to christinehaster.com, you can sign up for my free coaching assessment. Um, I'm on Instagram, Christine Hassler, and then I have a podcast called Over It and On With It, where I coach people live on the air. So that's a good way to learn some mix of coaching, coaching and psychology. So that's a good way to get some free therapy if you want to tune into that podcast. I do interviews too, but once a week, it's a coaching session as well. Mm-hmm. And then the course I mentioned for women who want to call in their, their man that's called be the queen. It's christinehassler.com slash be the queen. We're launching our, our live course at the end of November, but it'll be available for people listening later um, as an evergreen program as well. Excellent. I love that. Well, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes for anyone who's listening, who wants to learn more about that. I think that's fantastic that you're putting that out there. Um, I love, love I love these offerings that are helping the men and the women get more clear about things like standards and values before getting into relationships. Cause it's just, filtering out so many of those typical obstacles we run into. So, so true. well, Christine was wonderful to reconnect with you. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for your time and good luck with the last half of this pregnancy and baby girl coming in. I'm really excited for you guys. Thank you. And I just want to publicly thank you for the work you do. And especially for taking such good care of my husband when he went on his vision quest. I was so glad you were the one leading him and you were the one holding for him. And he just had such a powerful experience, both because the vision quest is powerful, but even more so because of the container that you hold and the way that you facilitate You're you're the real deal and just appreciate you so much. Mm, thank you, Christine. It was an honor to lead him and um, yeah, really happy to see everything that's come on the other side of that. So Alrighty. Well, we'll see, check in with you further down the road. Thank you. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you cruise over to risingman.org to get links and resources for this episode and every episode of the podcast, as well as everything else that's going on in the Rising Man community, risingman.org. Go check it out today. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Big shout out to everybody who's been supporting the rising man from day one. Love all of you guys. Thank you so much for swinging your support our way and everybody else who's been supporting us in however long it's been, however many episodes you've been around for. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of our community and thank you for continuing to come back each and every week until next time rise up and claim your destiny.